come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Adrian. Polter guide, Debbie, she had gotten some birds or something, and she, she it's fine. It's fine. She needed to deal with those. Yeah, it's fine. I said they were squawking and exploding. Did she call anybody else screaming last night or just me? I think it was just you. Oh, weird, huh? Well, it's probably sorry. fine. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> so this week, your polter guides have watched... A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. And yeah, so we will probably hit spoiler territory pretty fast. And if you haven't seen it, it came out in 84. So we don't know what to tell you. Uh, let's go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, I had not ever seen it before. And I, I, I honestly can't answer that question because I don't um, know. It was weird. <laughs> and And I don't know. I don't know if I liked it or not. Uh, I have seen it before. Um, as many people may know, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is just absolutely one of my favorites. Um, but I don't think this is the kind of movie that you like, really. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I, I agree with that. I, I've seen this before. I've actually probably seen this more than I've seen the first one just because of uh, Friends and uh their older cousins babysitting us and showing us things <laughs> like babysitters do you know like babysitters do i mean I, she's the reason i saw this and uh fright night at a very impressionable age um, whenever i was a kid whenever i was a teenager babysitting my younger cousins i used them to practice my scary scary storytelling techniques on that's good i like that uh, so those of you who don't know what this is about, but... What uh, is this about? <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Uh, our good, good buddies at IMDb want you to know that a teenage boy is haunted by his... You know what? You know what? I know IMDb has its opinions, but I really think this movie is about how denying your true authentic self will destroy you from the inside out. Damn, that's good. I'm with oh, that one. I'm with that one, too. Um, they're totally going to disagree with you. We're not going to disagree with you, just so we're clear. Uh, a teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by a deceased child murderer, Freddy Krueger, who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror. Who is out. So, yeah. It's funny that they're still calling. Like, I don't know. I know that that at this point, all we knew about Freddy was that he was a child murderer. But I, I guess I guess having seen so many of like everything after it's just funny to me that they're still calling him a child murderer in the summary yeah the summary is it's not great but that's what he was i mean they they push that so hard you know like those especially those early ones before he kind of became a pop culture phenomenon you know mm -hmm. what i mean like they really push that and i mean this one they're they're starting to lean into the humor but not like the later ones do um i do find it interesting with this one that new line didn't really think robert england brought anything to the role and that uh, a stuntman could play freddy krueger so there are some shots in it where you don't see his face and that's not uh robert england and i just read that yeah uh 
on the Wikipedia article, it says New Line originally thought they could save money by using an unnamed extra and a rubber mask, but they reconsidered when they realized that the man had the gait and posture of a, quote, dime store monster, <laughs> as opposed to Robert England's classically trained physical acting, which leads me to, I didn't realize that Robert England was classically trained, but it makes sense because he is so good. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of myself in that opening sequence. You get one profile of the bus driver. And I was like, oh, that's him. There he <laughs> is. That's him. I recognize him. I, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia article because like this movie, I think probably more than any of the other sequels, doesn't feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Let me, let me, I have, I have my, my big rant about this movie. The thing I don't like about this movie. All right. Here it is. Um, one of the things that makes the horror in Nightmare on Elm Street so just existential is you can't not sleep. You just can't. You cannot not sleep. You, you can go a couple of days and, and you'll be okay, but you have to sleep or you will become psychotic and then you'll die. You will literally die from well, not sleeping. And, mm. and Oh, no, I just have a question. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Can you actually avoid not sleeping if you don't have like some something stopping you, something medically stopping you? Can you not like I I I know that I can try not to sleep for a while, mm-hmm. but then you get into the um you get into the 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 remake micro map micro maps <laughs> micro naps. Actually, I haven't tried in a very long time, so I might not still be able to do this. But I used to be able to keep myself awake all night one night by sheer force of will. Um, and that, and, and so I know that that is possible. I really think as you move into the next night, um, you're not going to be able to keep yourself awake by sheer force. So it's just, you're, you are going to doze off and wake up and doze off and wake up. Um, but, but like I said, that's, that's what to me makes a nightmare on Elm street. So scary is as soon as you fall asleep, you're vulnerable and you can't not fall asleep. Like you can not go into the woods. You could not go into the woods for the rest of your life. You know, you yeah. could not go into the basement. You you know, there's, there's a lot of horror things that you can just not do, but not go to sleep. You can't, you cannot not go to sleep. So, um, and, and Freddie's going to be there. Freddie's going to be waiting as soon as that happens, there Freddie will be. And so that's what makes A Nightmare on Elm Street so effective to me. And then Nightmare on Elm Street 2, that pretty quickly stopped being the problem. It wasn't him going to sleep. It was Freddie was with him. And and so it was a whole different problem. And it was, it was, it stopped being existentially scary and became just kind of, I don't know, what what what's happening? It doesn't feel like a nightmare movie at all to me, really. It fe- it feels like a movie that was written and then somebody was like, hey, let's put let's put it under the, the nightmare franchise and that'll make it sell better. Yes. Um, yeah. Spec script. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't watched the Never Sleep Again documentary yet. Um, I don't know why I haven't. I guess I just really um I don't want to ruin the magic, <laughs> but I, so I went to the wiki page for this to see if it was a spec script and nothing on here says it was. In fact, it says that um, 
Screenwriter Leslie Bowen pitched the producers with his idea of using pregnancy and possession as a plot device in the film. They dropped the pregnancy that was used for Dream Child. Instead. I was going to say, that comes later. <laughs> yeah, that comes later. Um, but uh, so his quote is, my concept was homage to Rosemary's baby. I came up with a plot that had a new family move into the house. Man, my reading is really stilted today. I apologize for all of the listeners. A teenage boy, his pregnant mother, and a stepfather the boy didn't get along with. It was a real bloody scary idea, much more physical and realistic because the dream reality stuff was less central to these movies then. My story was more of a possession scenario with Freddy getting inside the mother's womb, controlling the fetus. But New Line passed on it because executive Sarah was pregnant at the time and i understand the idea upset her so they went with david chaskin's concept instead which i guess is what we got which seems to be a lot of the same stuff just without that pregnancy storyline um one of the things from never sleep again is the director of this did not like the first one or he was never a fan of it at all why the fuck would you direct the second one i'm sorry no no exactly why would if you don't like something why why would you like yeah i'm gonna I'm going to direct this. I mean, I get it. I get it. I get it. Like in Hollywood, these are jobs just like we have jobs. And sometimes we have jobs we hate. And I I understand that. But um, I'm going to get a little bit snooty about art for a moment here. Adrian's Adrian's art corner. (laughs) Adrian's art corner. In that when you're doing something with art, like a story that's supposed to be something that people identify with or like or watch or read or experience then don't fucking do things you don't like. I have this problem a lot whenever they cast comic book characters with actors who are like, oh, I don't read comic books. I think they're kind of silly, lol. And I'm like, then fuck you. Don't audition for that part. Don't take that part. It's not for you. Like, don't, if you can't bring the respect and the love for a piece of art to something, then do something fucking else. Say it, say it. There are other jobs. Like, I just- I understand it's your job and you got to do what you got to do. However, don't fuck with the things that I love because you need your paycheck. I'm reminded of a, of a <laughs> silly argument I used to have with my mom uh, where she would go on and on about this art class she took where this uh, one of her fellow students painted a ship and then the professor came by and when mom would quote the professor, she said it in the snootiest voice. And I'm like, you're, you're wanting me to not like the professor clearly. And the professor was like, have you ever seen a three masted schooner? And she would say, well, no. And then the professor would say, paint what you know. And, and mom was, was advocating this as good advice. And I'm like, but she wanted to paint a three masted schooner. Well, then the question, in my opinion, the question becomes, is it supposed to be a three-masted schooner or is it supposed to be a three-masted ship that she saw in her head? And how much was the assignment to paint a three-masted schooner? In which case, maybe she should look at a picture of a three-masted schooner. If the assignment was paint a thing that you want to paint and she painted a three-masted ship, fuck a schooner. Yeah. Anyway, um, slightly tangential, but I was just reminded of that. (laughs) Wes Craven also did not direct it which I think makes it feel even less like a nightmare movie because like, even just like beyond the story, it feels different, but apparently he was offered the chance to direct again, but he turned it down since he had many problems with the script. And I'm sure that we can use this as a segue because one of the problems cited is the possessed parakeet that seemed very ridiculous to him. For a reason. 
Actually, I was wanting to segue into the homosexual subtext. Oh, man, that's going to be, this is a long segue. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Um, here we go. I guess we didn't really segue. That's not how segues sound or work, no, but whatever. not a bit. But um, the first thing I want to say, uh, there's there's an interesting, there's a whole interesting thing. But the thing that I am mad about is, let, let, let's start with the actor is a gay man. He's currently an out gay man, but at the time was not. Um, Oof. And, yeah. yeah. And um, when people started talking about the homosexual subtext, the writer started going, nah, man, that was all him. He he, he played that part gay. That's that's why that happened. No. It, oh, yes. Okay, like, first off, wait, fuck. I, ooh, I do not like this writer. Fuck him. And about 20 years later, He's finally going, yeah, no, I wrote it with a lot of homosexual subtext. That was me. And and I'm just like, oh, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck because, you so much. Because you know what? That actor doesn't act anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because And yeah. like none of the issues I have with this movie were his acting. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, he had the typical 80s in a horror movie. I'm in a horror movie in the 80s acting. But like that motherfucker just throws him under the bus in the fucking 80s. And then 20 years later, when it's okay to do this stuff, is like, oh yeah, I wrote that. I was woke in the 80s. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that same writer in the Never Sleep Again, he's like, oh, well, it was much more subtle were, were the overtones. They were supposed to be so much more subtle. It's like, fuck you, you know, you can't out this. You can't do that. That's that's not cool. Nope. Fuck him a lot. I'm gonna go look at his wiki page so I can be more angry. <laughs> uh, David Chaskin is his name. Yeah, and I mean that, that kid. Um, he doesn't have a wiki page. His name's not linked. You frankly, don't matter, David Chaskin. Frankly, if I had not read some trivia about the homosexual subtext, I don't think I would have got it. Okay, so that's how how not gay Jesse was playing the part was I don't think I would have noticed the homosexual subtext if I hadn't been looking for it. Um, so I do not want to hear about how that actor couldn't play straight. Oh, he looks like a white guy. Also, he doesn't have a wiki page. Yeah, whereas, what's his name, Mark Patton? Mark Patton. Mark Patton does, I bet. So fuck off, David Chaskin. Also, nobody's seen the rest of your movies. <laughs> yeah what a douche move i'm just fuck you david chaston i'm just really mad about him throwing mark Patton under the bus when it was uh -huh. in his best interest and then picking it back up when it wasn't anymore that's just uh -huh. that wolf the thing is though he didn't have to because this movie made 150 percent more money than the original nightmare on elm street did it was super successful so it wasn't like it was a failure and rats are fleeing a sinking ship this movie made bank he just didn't want to be seen as gay fuck him he just didn't want to be associated with it and that mm, not look, mark Patton made another movie in which he did play a uh, a gay character and hollywood whoever whoever hollywood is in this context would not let him interview with advocate because they didn't want him to be they didn't want the actor to be gay and and he played a gay character you guys I, mark Patton, would you please come on our show so i can give you a hug yeah. I, I see that Mark you were Patton. born in Kansas City, Missouri, so you're not, your hometown's not that far from us. We will love you and accept you I and just, give you virtual hugs because 
You deserve them. I'm just so mad about all of this. Mm-hmm. It's pretty shitty. So maybe Ugh. it's a good thing that we didn't watch his documentary before recording because it would just probably just be angry. Just <laughs> we would just be angry the whole time. So then, I just, uh, then we've got Ron Grady. And as Adrian will tell you, Ron Grady is my type. <laughs> oh, he is. I didn't even think of yeah. Oh, there's, that, he there's, is. That, there's that scene in his in his room where he's wearing the tiniest little shorts. <laughs> he is he is that he is the 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 sort that that is both of our types, honestly. Oh yeah, because he's he's pretty. Mm-hmm, he's very he's, pretty. He's so pretty. And and I'm just saying that he's gonna die. They're gonna they're gonna kill my pretty boy. Oh <laughs> he's gonna die. But he turned out the light and went to sleep. Why why did you do that, pretty boy? <laughs> Don't you know you're in a horror movie? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, pretty boy, here he comes. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> hey Donna, I th- I think you'd like to know that he's still attractive. I-, I looked him up. He is. He is still very attractive. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, oh, that broke me. That broke me, gang. Because I completely forgot that that is a uh, that's that is. Do you know type? How rare it is, though, that our types overlap. It doesn't happen very often. Mm-mm. So no, no, no. I I realize that is a unicorn moment. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I do. We actually need to go into a lot of the 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 gay subtext in this movie, or is it just known? I think it is known now. Yeah. Maybe um, maybe a brief a brief discussion because like me I had never seen it before and I didn't know anything about it until last night. So maybe maybe a brief discussion. Uh I mean there's a lot of it. <laughs> uh you've got all of the there's a lot of it but it's also a lot really um dodgy and stereotypical by today's standards. Yeah, like the club yeah, the club, like the club, and the uh, the coach at the club. The what is he wearing? Did he just decide I'm gonna go out dressed up like one of the village people? That is my goal here. Well, it was a sadomasochistic club. What was? It? Why did he go there? Who gave him that beer? Why? Why movie? And, Can I say real quick that like fucking David Chaskin is the worst part of this film. <laughs> and let me be. Well, no, I wouldn't because I was a good girl when I was in high school. Um, but I'm just thinking for a normal person, if your teacher approaches you in a bar, don't go with them. Don't no. don't leave with them. Don't yeah, do that. A hard don't. I know a few teachers and if they ever saw one of their students in a bar, they would leave. They would be like, no, we're no, we're not. No. There was one I knew that wouldn't, and she was bad and is not a teacher anymore. So Yeah. But just just I, I found it implausible that the kid and the teacher would meet in a bar and then end up at the gym. But Jesse was trying to be a good boy. And uh, but that was weird. That was very weird. And you know what? If I had been that teacher, which I would not have been, but if I had been that teacher and I saw my student while I was wearing an outfit like that, which was by the way, not only an SM outfit, but a bad SM outfit. It wasn't even a good SM outfit. Right. Um, 
that I was would've... like somebody that didn't know the culture and was like, yeah, this is what I think an, like an S&M outfit should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Here's a, it, here's a baggy vest. It's like the Halloween vest. costume version. Some... Yeah. Yeah. It's a baggy vest. Let me put some studs on it. Go. Yeah. It's leather, right? This is fine. I just, I would not, I would not have approached my student in that context. No way. No mm-hmm. way. I would have fled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even before, though, that scene, he was super sketchy with Jesse and Grady mm-hmm. at school. Like, he was just, you know, I don't know. He was he was sketchy to begin with. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that he approaches Jesse, but, yeah, he was, I mean, it goes back to what Adrian was saying. There's a lot of stereotypical things with how he was and just, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I'm still mad <laughs> and, and and the pantsing the pantsing at the beginning i don't know the, I didn't the like writing that. in this movie is weird like it's all over the place it's, it is it, the, this movie feels just like this movie feels like a random assortment of events for a lot of it in my I, opinion i did think they were dead on at the beginning with the uh with the scene on the bus i love where, that yeah where the, one he's dressed as a nerd and two his nightmare is the girls laughing at him. that's yeah that's his yeah. nightmare is girls laughing at him that was that was a really good scene and it made me get excited for the movie before i remembered that this is not really my favorite of the movies <laughs> yeah the bus scene is is well done and I like the first time like Freddie interacts with him and he like rips off his skin to show his brain, even though I know that's not how that works. I know there's a skull there, but like that was there's, gross. There's a couple other layers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I realize that, but that was gross and creepy and I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. There it's, it's super disjointed. It really is. Um, I do like a lot of the, the, the way that they do the haunting, I think is really great. I love the, the way that things heat up. I think, these are all really, really good um, manifestations for a the ghost of Freddy Krueger. Um, how the fuck ever? This is just not what Nightmare is about. This, and I realize that that his excuse is, well, this wasn't established yet. You're the second movie. You can't just go change the entire theme of the first movie. The problem is though that they had other examples of it working because if you look at Friday the 13th, yes, it's still a killer, but then it's actually Jason lived, you know, and that's the problem is that same thing, you know, Halloween too. They actually have Michael B. Laurie's brother. Like there's, they've had track records of that shit working and they're like, well, obviously we can do that. And that's, yeah. I still feel like there's a fundamental difference here. I'm sorry. My dog didn't want to come inside because the weather's really nice. And now he's just out there barking at everything. So if you hear him, I apologize. Um, uh, Like you can, like, I'm sure there's an argument to be made about how well some of these things work, but the, the ultimate theme of the movie wasn't changed with those. And maybe part of it is just that the theme of Halloween and Friday the 13th are simpler because those are just straight slasher straight no pun intended slasher movies um whereas nightmare on elm street does have a little bit more of a complex idea in that it is this this dream like it, you know it is the nightmare thing however my forgiveness on that ends with the fact that it's in the fucking title okay yeah i think i think you're you're onto something there with the concepts being 
simpler in the other ones mm-hmm. and then this one because i mean that's the thing with dreams they're very abstract and what is scary to somebody is not scary to somebody else and so yeah i think i think you're on to something it would be like and we even have examples of this not working they took jason away from crystal lake <laughs> Or they put Michael Myers doing his shit on not Halloween. Like that is the, like, I think that's the change that this guy makes is he literally takes the killer. It's not a change of the killer. It's literally taking the killer out of the place where they belong. Yes. 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 So who wants to talk about exploding parakeet? Fucking what the fuck? (laughs) I have so many questions about that scene, starting with, why would you open the cage? What's your fucking goal there, dude? You're you see Parakeet A attacking the shit out of Parakeet B. What are you gonna do? Parakeet B is already dead and on the floor of the cage. What's your fucking plan? Yeah. And and then like, well, let me start with, you know, we have birds in Oklahoma. And sometimes it gets well over a hundred degrees here in Oklahoma, and none of the birds explode. So I just thought I should mention that birds don't explode at 97 degrees. Um, You're sure of that as a veterinarian? Is that your (laughs) in my in my professional opinion and my career experience? Birds do not explode at well over 100 degrees. Um, But uh, yeah, there was no need to open that cage. And listen, that bird is like 30 grams of hollow bones. Just hit it with the damn broom and move on. Don't cower. Don't scream. Don't wave your arms around. Just kill it. I also have issues with the fact that the mom just leaves her 10-year-old daughter in the room. And I'm like, I understand that you're just running to go get the broom. But take her the fuck out of there. Like, if I were in a room with killer parakeets, step one would be to get Leia out of that room. I can get anything I need to get after that, but let's not leave my small child to be traumatized by a fucking parakeet because this isn't an event that's likely to happen again. I don't need her to have this as a trauma. It serves her no purpose at all. Um, Also, I've seen the birds, but... um, So has the director of this film. Yeah, except he went with parakeets instead of fucking ravens or crows or any bird capable of doing actual real damage. I mean, I guess a parakeet can because parakeets are small and like fucking mice can do crazy damage. So I'm not trying to down on any parakeet listeners out there. I have I have handled a number of uh, angry parakeets. And while they have caused me pain, they have never caused me damage. Not once. Yeah. Okay. so, man, fucking parakeets. I, I just don't I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah. That scene is not scary. Like Wes no, Craven was right. Wes Craven Turns out, maybe knows a couple of things about horror movies and what's scary. I know, it's wild. (laughs) Um, I just feel like if your last name's Craven, you should be trusted in the horror movie industry, you know? Oh, awesome. Also, bird rabies isn't a thing. (laughs) I just thought I should put that out there. Um, You have to be a mammal to get rabies. Didn't we talk about this before? Like, whales can technically get rabies? Yeah. I love it. I love it. I don't know how that would happen, but technically, yes. Uh, this is um, this is my call out to you, Sci-Fi Channel. Where's my rabid whale movie? I want a rabid orca. 
Yeah. Give me a rabbit orca. Sci-fi. I'm speaking specifically to you. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So, so we've got, we've got Cujo and Cujo runs out into the water and then the orca tries to bite Cujo, but Cujo bites the orca first. I think you're making it too complicated. I think probably in this movie, you just open up, you cold open with a shot of a mourning family who's taking their dead dog for a burial at sea or or an edgy teenager giving their dead dog a Viking funeral, but they just suck at it. And instead of setting their boat on fire, they just sink it. Yeah, both of these. I'm not sure that rabies can be transmitted that way, but I also don't think it matters. Donna, this is a sci-fi movie. Yeah. This is a sci-fi movie. Yeah, Donna, this is, you're, you are... Uh... Working too hard to be. You're working too hard at this. Yeah. This is maybe, maybe, maybe the edgy teenager only thinks his dog is dead. And that's why he fails the shot because at the last moment, the dog like jumps up and the teenager's like, oh shit, my dog's not dead. And then he sinks the boat. And then we get a free willy shot of the orca just coming up and eating the dog because that's a thing orcas do. Right. The evil free willy shot, basically, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. You hear me, sci-fi? Call me. And, and then and then the orca goes around and it bites everyone else. Mm-hmm. And now we have a whole pod of rabid orcas. Yes, yes. Yeah. I love it. Okay. <sighs> um, and then, and then, uh, like, the fourth movie is going to be a uh, rabid orca Sharknado crossover. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Obs. There's, you just have to. So these parakeets, um, there's nothing about this scene that I enjoyed. The editing is bad. The direction is bad. There's like... Bad, bad, bad. It's a all point, bad. It's all bad. There's a point at which he's holding the broom and the newspaper, and then the parakeet explodes, and he's not holding a fucking thing. Clearly, he dropped them just microseconds before the shot began. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I just feel like this would be a better movie without the fucking parakeet scene. I feel like that was like, this guy was like, oh man, this is going to be so great. And nobody felt comfortable enough to be like, no, man, it's not going to be that great. It's just a bad scene. And now I'm I'm realizing that there was almost no reason for the sister to be a character at all. So he could feel bad when he almost, almost kills her. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go on a quick rant about this because this is also fucking problematic. And maybe it's not so problematic at the time because at this point in time, Freddy Krueger had not been established as anything other than a child murderer. The added, the added on stuff of him, like being a child rapist in addition to that was not there yet canonically. How the fuck ever, when you take into account all of the gay quote or all of the queer coding of this movie, and then you fucking put him with Freddy Krueger's hand on a ambiguous spot on the blanket over his little sister, that's bad. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And you don't even need the added bonus of Freddy Krueger being a child rapist to make this bad. This is like villainous queer coding and fuck you. I forgot your name, David Chaskin. That's how little I care about you and your movies. Fuck you. Ah! That's it. Yes, yes, yes. The father didn't die, by the way. 
I legitimately like every time he went off screen, I forgot he existed as a character. I uh, <laughs> I, I messaged Adrian at one point late last night and was like, "Tell me the father dies in this movie." Adrian's response was, "I don't remember." And then not long after that, I added on. I watched the whole fucking thing and already forgot again what happened to the dad. So he was an abusive prick. Yeah. And if anyone deserved to die in this movie, it was him. Yeah. yeah that's definitely a missed opportunity, Freddie. I'm just your, your son is waking up coated in sweat and you're down there going, oh, it just needs some Freon. And you're not fucking putting some Freon in. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, I don't think Freddie would. Freddie doesn't kill adults. Yeah, but there's a lot of things in this movie that Freddy doesn't normally do that happens. So this, this would be the time for Freddy to to break his own rule of that. That's Freddy fair. Killed, Freddy killed what's-her-name's mother. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, but she was part of the original crew that killed him. So I feel that's kind of, you know, that's payback. Yeah. it's She, she, got, she got grandfathered in, which yeah. I feel like is the best use of the term grandfathered in. <laughs> it would only be better if she were literally, like, a grandfather. <laughs> I love this that. is what you get when I'm sleepy. I love that. That is fantastic. She got grandfathered. That's great. <laughs> um, okay, but maybe maybe the house catches on fire because the house catch kept trying to do that, and then and then the dead could just be collateral damage. I mean, Donna, I feel like you don't understand that only parakeets burst into flames are combustible. Yeah, houses aren't combustible. Oh, oh, okay. okay. I mean, that house has got to be become abandoned and derelict looking by the time three starts. So yeah. Then, Steel pipes also, by the yeah. way, burn, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that you're just having a fundamental misunderstanding of how science works here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My grasp on science is famously weak. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You're very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so did anyone else notice with this that how freddie interacts with jesse he's very almost like a lover like how he touches him and how uh just how he talks to him i mean granted i know he wants his body because you know freddie uh, i i wonder how much of this movie ended up informing what freddie became because it is like he does interact with him in a very uh i mean yeah sexual like it's not a weird accident that people think of this movie as being pretty super gay because he's he's he doesn't do that with Nancy. And then mm-hmm. the the only one that he cares about later on, I think, is when we're getting into five. And that's because um, what's her name's pregnant where yeah. he's, a, he's less uh, antagonistic, if you will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one, he's he's definitely more caring, if that can be a thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the word I would probably use. <laughs> Affectionate. Yeah. Mm. The, yeah, the interaction, like, there's, it's such a weird thing to me to have somebody say, well, this whole movie's gay because the actor played it gay. I mean, an actor can bring a lot to a movie for sure, but, like, there were clearly some writing and directing decisions. Yeah, there were some choices made, like, hey, can you do it this way? Can you, it wasn't just like, hey, we did one take, that's great, let's go on to the next shot. Yeah, exactly. Also, there were choices that were either made by Robert England or suggested to Robert England. Like what? And, well, like the way that he interacts with, like, because like Kinsey said, the way that he physically interacts with Jesse is very different from how he interacts with Nancy. 
uh, with Nancy, he seemed antagonistic and teasing, but with Jesse, he is very, like, he is affectionate. And you could chalk it up to, like, oh, well, he wants to kill Nancy and he wants to be Jesse. But, um, but that still plays a particular way to the audience. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, sure, like sure. That, that's not a thing that happens in a vacuum yeah. of this, of this film. It's a thing that's happening in aggregate with everything else as well, which is exactly what a director and a writer are supposed to look at, right? I would think so. Like that's 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 their job. That's why that's why we have a writer and a director. Yeah. I mean, stop me if I'm wrong, filmmakers out there. <laughs> I'm sure that Twitter will tell me. Add us, add us, especially you, Mark Patton. Add us. I do. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I did enjoy Lisa really just wanting to help him. Like every time she really she genuinely cared and wanted to hey, let's figure it out. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's do, you know, what do you need? Lisa was so great. I adore Lisa. I would love, like, honestly, Lisa and Jesse, I just want to watch the um, the platonic gay movie of those two characters doing shit um, because they seem like they, they, they got along so well. Their chemistry was really good. Also, I would like to have a conversation with whoever did Lisa's makeup because you should feel bad. <laughs> about what you did to that pretty girl i just like that they let her hair be big like i mean like you could tell she had thick curly hair and they just they let it be they just mm-hmm. let it I, I i appreciated that and she i she had great hair and she like i i don't know i loved her i thought yeah. she was so wonderful yeah same she she was fantastic but she had a really interesting face i mean she wasn't yeah she wasn't like classic beauty you know she had kind of a hooked nose and a and a i don't know there was something and she she was unique looking and beautiful at the same time yeah they did her uh her lipstick there was one point like the cafeteria scene where i was just mesmerized by how terrible her lipstick was done and you could ask me what happened in that scene and like i think that maybe jesse was yelling at somebody but i was just like what the fuck how did this get on camera somebody got paid for this lipstick jesse was yelling at pretty boy to shut up and pretty boy got mad and walked away (laughs) see i I see that you got the gist of that scene meanwhile i was just like why why is this (laughs) this devastation of good makeup happening um my only other thing that i have is just the uh final act and basically freddy's defeated by true love's kiss yeah i mean like this is thematically so bad like like the the dogs with human faces was gross and disturbing and i'm like okay so this is going to be messed up but basically that's what got freddy in the end this movie made a lot of promises in that final gauntlet scene that it did not deliver on Uh -uh. Uh um I am shocked that this movie did as well as it did because I feel like had I been a teenager in the 80s excited about Nightmare 2, I would have gone to see this and been like, what did you just give me? But maybe that's just me having grown up in a time when I had a few more options. Maybe in the 80s I'd have been like, yeah. I think in the 80s and especially being a fan of the horror genre, since it was still especially your, like this is 85, peak satanic panic, everything kind of horror- horror related is you know you're gonna grasp at anything like like oh yeah i'm gonna take you know take what i can get and just run with it and i think it's also a testament to robert england and just being magnetic as he is like i mean he's he's, amazing yeah 
you had kids that, you know, little kids that wanted to be Freddy Krueger. It's like, you know, you hadn't had like anything like that just being so ingrained in pop culture that particular way. Yeah, that's true. Also, I guess that I am like, I don't remember thinking this being this angry about the movie when I watched it when I was younger. So I think that to a certain extent, it is just a like a big sign of how we have shifted as a society that so much of this makes me legitimately angry now. Yeah, this yeah, this is it is not aged well, Uh as, as some would say this is not aged well. There are bright points you can pick out, but it's not good, you know, just when you go, we were talking about just the villain queer coding, like that's awful. That's garbage. Yeah. Can I mean, oh man. Okay. So like, can you imagine being Patton and having to play that? I I cannot. I, I genuinely, it just, it just makes me very, very angry and very sad for how dirty he was done. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Man, I hope I I did, did David Chask is that his name? I feel like I am so mad. I've just like erased it. <laughs> did he ever apologize to him? Because he should fucking apologize. He should apologize openly and loudly and I publicly. Don't, I don't know if he did. Um, I feel like some of these questions would be answered on Patton's documentary. <laughs> but I, like I said, uh, Shutter's got it. So I want to watch that. Yeah, and then report back. And maybe we'll do something on YouTube about it. There you go. I like it. Um, yeah, I think that there are a lot of individual scenes in this movie that are pretty good. I think that Patton really, like, this movie really hinges on him and his acting. Even though I don't love, like, that bathroom scene when the gym teacher dies, I really love Patton's reaction, like, like the Jesse's reaction to that. The acting in that, that that's a hard type of scene to pull off i think where you just have to show your horror about something mm-hmm. and his just like blank i am somewhere else now face was i mm-hmm. think perfect yeah okay all right well adrian you have our rule i do don't deny your sexuality man i suppose that there is a version of this movie that you can make up in your head where it's the denial of the sexuality it is a dream deferred <laughs> that rots it into a horror movie uh it's not the movie that we watched but there's a there's a way that you can make that work so just i don't know don't don't deny yourself if it's safe for you to not deny yourself be be your authentic self and if somebody's being their authentic self don't be a dick right don't be an exploding parakeet all right donna you have our quote he's inside me now i'm 12 yeah same (laughs) same all right and i have our poll which is uh is jesse considered would you consider jesse a final boy i think that in order to answer this question we need to establish if a final boy has the same requirements as a final girl um because while jesse is the protagonist of this movie he does not go through the final horror gauntlet. Let me rephrase that, actually, because we don't see what he goes through because we switch POVs. We're suddenly to... What the fuck is her name? Lisa. 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 Um, th- another moment where my brain was just like, Nancy. And I'm like, no, different girl. My brain's like, yes, different girl. You're right, Nancy. Um, we switch to Nancy and she goes through the final horror movie gauntlet. 
So this, in my opinion, becomes kind of a weird movie where you either have a final girl that didn't participate in the rest of it, who started out as the like best friend information giver, or there's just not a final person because the movie did a bad job. And instead of showing us the nightmare that Jesse's probably going through in Freddy's head, which would have been really fucking cool. Like, can you imagine the crazy cool body horror shit that you could do with Jesse being taken over by Freddy? Holy, like, holy shit. Where's that movie? I, okay, okay. I know that a lot of people don't like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I'm not one of them. I love it. Can we please get a remake of two now? <laughs> Let's one get... where jesse wins by embracing who he actually is let's get mark patton consulting and therefore defeats freddie yes yes bring on yes. mark patton i'm not talking to you right now sci-fi because i don't want you to do it but somebody <laughs> you have your purpose sci-fi this isn't it Ryan Murphy, no, not you either. No, fuck. Ryan Murphy, you stay away from this idea. It is not for you. I'm going to do that art thing where that guy patented that black. This is Anish Kapoor. This is not for you, Ryan Murphy. If you come out with a movie like this, I will sue you. Probably not because I don't have that money, but don't do it, please. In other news, you can give us money on our Patreon account so that I can sue Ryan Murphy if he ever does this. Or our coffee. You can you can buy us a coffee, which which would be used to establish a fund to sue Ryan Murphy if he ever tries to make our movie. Netflix, I can talk to you about it. Yeah. Add us, Netflix. Add us. <laughs> All right. So the answer is, I don't think that in the movie we saw, he counts as a final boy. Unless the final boy is just the protagonist that makes it through the end of the movie, which, and no shade to Mark Patton on this one. I mean, less is expected of dudes than women. So maybe this is just what's expected of guy, of final boys. It's just to live to the end. Just live to the end. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a final boy. I do. I will give him squ- Scream Queen. Yes. I will give him Scream Queen. Uh, but I don't think he's a final boy unless... As Adrian says, um, it's just that less is expected of of boys. I I like that. Yeah, he's definitely a scream queen. I, I like that. Um, Maybe we should call him a scream king. I think he calls himself a scream queen. So, oh, if he calls himself a scream queen, then we can do that too. Yeah. Okay. But I think I think we get just my own personal thoughts here. I think we get two scream queen or two final final boy final girl in this. I think he is one because he does go through his own shit but also i think lisa is one too because she starts out like you said as an the oracle character giving the information but then about halfway through she's she's having to to do her own stuff too so in this weird mess of a film yeah i think i think you i think they both are i could see an argument made for that because there definitely is something that he's going through inside of freddie inside of him <laughs> It's just not um, well executed by any means. Yeah, it's not well executed at all. And generally speaking, like I'm going back to Behind the Mask right now where they talk about what the final girl needs to do. And also Cabin in the Woods where they talk about what the final girl needs to do. And the gauntlet is the important thing there. And so while there is definitely an implied gauntlet, it's not one that we get to see from Jesse. 
Jesse's gauntlet was internal where Lisa's was external. <laughs> yeah, but when you have a movie with words like, I don't know, nightmare in the fucking title, that's literally something you can show us. You can literally just take us into the internal conflict, into the internal struggle. In fact, I might even say when your first movie was all about the fucking internal struggles, you can just do that again. That's the theme of your movie, David fucking Chaskin. I feel like I'm all over here like Carol Baskin. <laughs> Except this guy actually did something wrong. Fuck you. Someday, I'm sure we'll have another a podcast where I'm not just yelling fuck you at random people, but apparently it's not today. It's not today. Not today. This year's not looking good, honestly. And that's okay. That is okay. Try me next year. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we are on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Beyond Cabin, and our Instagram and Facebook page are Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, and our webpage is BeyondTheCabinInTheWoods.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as uh, at Callista77. Donna, where are you on the social medias? I'm on Twitter as at Dragon Goblin. There is no vowel in the last syllable of goblin. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Donna underscore Leahy. You can find me on Twitter at Junkyard Poet. Um, I'm on other things, but I'm not really doing stuff on them on anything owned by Facebook right now. So, I mean, you can go look at my Instagram, which is at Saint of Unicorns and see pictures of my pets, including the one that was being very intrusive today and the barking dog. But uh, but I haven't. I, I don't. I don't do things. All right. And also, we are part of the Gumby Cat Network, so you should definitely check them out. And as always, thank you to our editor Billy for making us sound fantastic. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. And don't read the Latin. <laughs> you know what horror is. Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.